Brooks, that was pretty good for two minutes notice. I think Brooks has done a great job leading us in our worship and most importantly, we appreciate you lending your voice to the praises that we offer this morning. We are certainly here to honor God, to give Him our best, uh, to lay our hearts open before Him, to ask Him to change us, make us more like His Son, Jesus Christ. We're here because we recognize that God deserves all the praise and all the glory and all the adoration that is due His name. And this is just a part of our worship and our praise to God. We're thankful that you're here. As I look down in this section, there's a hole because some of our youth are still away. They've been at Rainbow Omega this past week uh, serving the Lord down at that facility uh, in Alabama which serves those with uh, developmental disabilities. A fabulous work uh, that's affiliated with Churches of Christ and um, I know that they've had another fantastic week there. And next Sunday night, Alex is going to be talking about that work and about some of what our young people did while they were there. So I want to encourage you to come back next Sunday night uh, to hear about the work at Rainbow Omega. I want to encourage you to come back tonight because Carter Ashby, one of our own, a homegrown boy who is now a Bible major at Freed Hardeman, training to be a minister, he's going to be preaching to us tonight. He, he will be presenting our lesson And so I want to encourage you to come back at 6 o'clock to support him and to hear a message uh, from from God's Word. And I know that he will greatly appreciate your presence here. Uh, He would love if, you know, he had 350 people, 400 people in the house to listen to him preach. Uh, So please, uh, come back and worship with us tonight. But this morning, we're thankful that you're here. If you're visiting, we're glad you're here. Or if uh, if you've been here for... You know, hundreds of years. We're glad that you're here with us as well. This morning, we are continuing our trek through Philippians. But before we get into the text, I want to tell you about a a young boy. His name is Connor Long. I don't know how many of you have heard of Connor Long. Uh, He was your typical boy. Uh, He loved to play outside, to be active. But what makes Connor truly remarkable... Uh, What makes him extraordinary, if you want to know that, you need to know something about his younger brother, Caden. You see, when Caden was born, a doctor basically told Connor and Caden's parents that Caden was going to be a burden on their family, that he was going to be a vegetable for the rest of his life, uh, or he was going to be bound to a wheelchair, and, and it would be best if they would just put him in a home for him to live out the rest of his days. Thankfully, his parents did not listen to the advice of that doctor. They brought Caden home. Caden was born with cerebral palsy. And he was just a little bit younger than his older brother, Connor. And you know, most brothers this close in age uh, would be together all the time, involved in all kinds of activities together, playing together, biking together, fishing together. But Caden's disability prevented him from doing that. However, his older brother Connor, he would not settle for that. And so he had a goal. And his goal was to figure out how to do something active with his younger brother Caden. And so Connor and Caden, they began to compete in triathlons together with Connor pulling or pushing Caden along on the road or in the water. And they gained some notoriety from doing this. 
And in 2012, these boys were named Sports Illustrated Sports Kids of the Year. And in his acceptance speech, young Connor Long, with tears in his eyes, these were some of his words, this is really awesome for me and Caden. A lot of people thought we would never be able to do something like this. But we can always do anything. A very inspirational story. These two boys. Connor set a worthy goal. And with a lot of hard work, he achieved that goal. In our text this morning, Paul has a goal. A very worthy goal. And I want you to look at it with me in Philippians chapter 3. In verse 14. If you would, grab a Bible. Your Bible, a Bible. Somehow get access to the Word of God. And go with me to the New Testament letter of Philippians. Written by Paul. Paul shares with us in verse 14 what is his goal. And I want to share with with you that goal this morning. Paul says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I am reading from the ESV. I like to preach from the ESV, but I like the way the NIV puts this goal, this verse. The NIV says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Jesus Christ. Paul says, that is my goal. Paul says, I want to experience the fullness of blessings and rewards in the age to come. My goal is the prize of heaven and God is calling me there, heavenward, upward, toward Jesus Christ. This is Paul's goal. He says it ought to be the Philippians' goal, and it ought to be our goal as well. It's a worthy goal. It is one that we ought to share. I'm wondering this morning, do you have goals in your life? Some of you may think, look, this far away from the first of the year, July, you're going to ask us, late July, you're going to ask us about goals? This is a good topic for, you know, January 1, when... We are very goal-minded, and when we're thinking about resolutions, but some of you are goal-minded people, and maybe even even this late in the year, you've still got some goals that you're working out. Maybe you've got career goals. You have a place in your particular occupation or your career that that, that's where you want to be. In 10 years, in 20 years, you're working towards that. You've got your eyes on the prize. Or those of you who are students, you're in school, you've got goals, Maybe like, I want to pass next year, or I want to make uh, no lower than a B, or if you are a little later in high school, this is where I want to go to school, this is where I want to uh, go to college. Did I shoot a little too high with the B remark? Let's bring it down. I I don't want to make any lower than a C. How about that for some of you? You know, we need to set goals that are reasonable for us. We don't need to shoot too high, okay? Uh, What about personal goals? Maybe you want to read a certain number of books this year. Or maybe you want to organize that closet or that room that has just gotten out of control. Do you have goals for your family? Do you have uh, fitness goals? Do you want to lose this amount of weight? Or do you want to be able to run a, a, a 5K or a half marathon or a marathon? Maybe you have faith goals. Maybe you want to read through the Bible in a year. Uh, Or you want to commit to carving out a time every day for you to spend with God 
in prayer. It's good to have goals. But I submit to you that the goal Paul shares with us this morning ought to rise to the top. Yes, Connor Long had a worthy, beautiful goal about being active with his brother, but this goal is even better. It's even more worthy than that one. And no matter what goals you have in mind, this one really ought to rise to the top of your list. I press on toward the goal for the, to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. Now, Paul says a couple of things about his goal. They're basic things, and I hope you have your Bible open to Philippians chapter 3. It'll be easy for you to follow along. These are fundamental things that Paul says about his goal, but every once in a while, it is helpful for us to review the fundamentals. We need a refresher course in the basics. So let me share a couple basic things that Paul tells us about his goal. First of all, achievement of this goal will not occur in this lifetime. You knew that, right? You knew that Christianity is a long game. That the reward that we're waiting on, we will not fully experience in this life. And that is what keeps a lot of people away from the Christian faith, I think. Because we don't have a culture that's interested in the long game. We're all about the short game. We're all about instant gratification. Don't make me wait for my reward. I want it now. And so because we have to wait for the reward and we have to place our trust and our faith in God that he's going to deliver on his promises, some people in our culture say, no, thank you. I'm not interested in anything like that. But this is a reality of our faith that achievement of this goal, it's not going to occur in this life. We've got a ways to go before we get there. Interesting thing about this word goal that we see in Philippians chapter 3, verse 14. The Greek word uh, that it comes from is an athletic word. And this is the only time that we see this word in the New Testament. It's used elsewhere a lot in other ancient literature, but this is its only appearance on the pages of the New Testament. And originally, it referred to a finish line in a race uh, or a target for archers, and then over time it came to be used metaphorically as it is in our verse today. But it helps us to to know that the background is in athletics because that way we can understand that Paul is saying, listen, I'm running a race and I know that the finish line is, is out there. I can see it in my mind's eye through the eyes of faith. I can see it, but I'm not there yet. And I'm not going to get there until the end of time, until Jesus returns. Listen, in this life, I am shooting arrows at the target. I am aiming as best I can to hit my mark, but I haven't yet, and I won't until Jesus comes and the resurrection of the dead occurs. But in this life, I'm going to keep on running. In this life, I'm going to keep on shooting. I'm going to keep on aiming for my goal, even though I'm not, I know I'm not going to get there on this side of eternity. And that sort of leads us into this second observation about the goal. Number one, achievement does not occur in this lifetime. But number two, striving for the goal does begin in this lifetime. You knew this too, right? Something else that's very basic. Back up from verse 14 and look at verse 12 of Philippians chapter 3. Paul says, It's not that I have already obtained it, it's not that I am already perfect. But I press on, in the present tense, 
I keep on keeping on to make it my own. I am working for it. I am striving for it in this lifetime. I won't receive it to the next, but my effort begins now, in this lifetime, in the here and now. Now when we see this here, this sends us back to verses 10 and 11, when Paul kind of fleshes out what aiming for the goal is all about, when he tells us a little bit about what's involved in striving for this goal. So, let's rewind a little further to verse 10. Paul shares three things here about aiming for the goal. One is knowing Christ. This is involved in our striving for the goal, that the heavenward call that, that God has placed upon our lives. We want to know Christ. We don't want to just know about Christ. We don't want to just know facts about Christ. We want to enter into a relationship with Christ where He is guiding our steps, where He is our primary example for how we should live, where He is the one who every day is interceding for us, where His blood every day is cleansing us of our sins. Paul says, I want to come to know Christ more deeply than I know Him today. I want my relationship with Christ to grow deeper and deeper as the days and the years go by. I want to know Christ. That's, that's a big part of aiming for the goal. Number two, he says, I want to understand the power of His resurrection. Listen to what Paul says in, uh, elsewhere in Romans chapter 8, verse 11. Here he says, I want to understand the power of His resurrection. I want to have a deeper understanding of how the resurrection impacts my life. He explains this in Romans 8, 11. He says this, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. The Spirit that caused Jesus to break free from death is the same Spirit that dwells in you as you walk through this life. And so... The journey of the Christian life is coming to understand more deeply what it means to have that Spirit living in us. The Spirit of resurrection. We should come to a deeper understanding day by day of how the resurrection impacts us. That when we submit to Christ in baptism and we come up out of that water, we are raised to walk in newness of life. The resurrection impacts us. It empowers us to live a a life where we've put our old sinful selves to death, and and we are now basking in the glow of God. The resurrection changes everything about our lives. And Paul says, I want to come to a greater understanding of that as I go through my life. Number three, he says, something else that's involved in aiming for the goal, it's sharing in the sufferings of Christ. We've talked about this before in our series. Paul says, This mind needs to be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. That He was willing to humble Himself to become a human. He was even willing to go to the cross to die. And Paul says that is the kind of selfless service that you are called as a follower of Christ to emulate. You have to follow Him downward before you follow Him upward. You have to be willing to share in His sufferings before you can share in His glory. Paul understands that. Do we? Paul says that's a big part of aiming for the goal. My willingness to share in the sufferings of Jesus Christ, even to die for my faith, if that's what it takes. Paul says I want to identify with Jesus in that way so that I can experience His resurrection glory 
someday. That's what Paul tells us about aiming for the goal back in verse 10. This stuff that we've just talked about, knowing Christ, understanding the resurrection's power and sharing in His suffering, this stuff starts in this life. We start running the race now, even though the finish line is is not until later. We start aiming for the target now, even though we know we're not going to hit the center of the bullseye until Jesus returns and the resurrection occurs. Now in this reflection, in this text, Philippians 3, Paul shares with us some attitudes that are, I think, necessary for pressing on toward the goal. He doesn't so much spell these out for us as he just shows us in reflecting on his own faith and talking about what aiming for this goal looks like in his life. And I want to share what I see as three attitudes that are necessary for being able to press on, to to continue working towards the goal that is ours in Christ Jesus. The first is this, humility. Humility is the first attitude that's necessary for pressing on toward the goal. Do you hear Paul's tone in these verses? Philippians 3, starting in verse 12. Listen to some of these phrases. I haven't obtained this. I'm not perfect. I haven't made it my own yet. Paul says, I haven't arrived. I'm not there yet. And these words are spoken by the Apostle Paul. The one who took the Gospel to, to, all, to, to Gentiles. He expanded the realm of the Kingdom of God to include Gentiles. He is called an Apostle. Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus. He's one of the greatest preachers and missionaries that ever lived. He wrote most of what's in our New Testament. He says, I haven't made it yet. And I'm not perfect. And I haven't obtained it. And so if the Apostle Paul can demonstrate that type of humility, how much more should we? Some of us, I think, are a little bit too smug in the progress that we've made so far. We're just sort of happy with where, where we are. Yeah, I've made, some, I've made some good progress since I became a Christian. So I think I'm just going to ride it out. I think I'm just going to coast to the end. I'm good. Some of us are, I think, a little too satisfied with the state of our spirituality. And we don't share the humble attitude that Paul demonstrates in this text. In fact, we're a little bit more like the Pharisee who prayed in one of Jesus' parables. You may remember this. He looks up to heaven. He says, God, I thank you that I'm not like those other sinners. I thank you that I'm not like the extortioners and the unjust and the adulterers and even like that tax collector standing over there. You know why, God? Because I I fast twice a week. I'm a religious person. I give tithes of all that I get. We might not say these words. We wouldn't dare say these words. But this is our overall philosophy of our spirituality. We're, We're pretty satisfied with ourselves. We think that we've made it as far as we need to make it and and we're fine right where we are. Contrast that with the example of our speaker on Wednesday night. Brother David Sane, a gospel preacher for more than 50 years, a grandfather, a great-grandfather, someone with immense knowledge of the Scriptures, barely looked down 
the whole night. Maybe he didn't look down once as he was speaking to us. But who stood up and he confessed that he struggles with a flippant attitude toward worship. A man that mature in the faith was able to stand up and say, there have been far too many prayers where I haven't paid attention to the words in worship. I've sung far too many songs when the message has just gone one in one ear and out the other. Far too many times I've taken the Lord's Supper and I'm thinking about my lunch and I'm thinking about my ball game and my mind is not going back to the cross of Christ where my Savior died for me. If a man like that, a godly man of that stature, can express humility, then how much more should we? Humility is necessary. It's a necessary attitude for pressing on toward the goal in this life. The goal that only comes in the life to come. The second attitude I want us to talk about is determination. We must be humble, but we also must be determined. One of the favorite verses from this section is verse 13. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. We love that little phrase. And it's a beautifully worded phrase. Paul says, I am turning my back on the past and I'm facing the future, and I'm pressing on. And a lot of times when we read this, and we see that phrase, what lies behind, we think about the negative stuff. We think about our sins. Uh, We think about our regrets. We think about the failures of our lives. And we ought to. But I think we shouldn't only think about our failures, we should also think about our successes. Because both failures and successes can keep us shackled to the past. And Paul says, I am forgetting everything. And I'm moving forward. I am not looking back at anything that's happened before. I've got my eyes focused on heaven. Failures can hold us back because failures can discourage us. They can make us believe that we can't do any better. If we've got a sin habit that we just can't kick, we, we just decide, okay, God must not want me to do any better because I can't seem to get rid of this thing from my life. And so I'm just going to settle for it. I'm just going to live in this. And, you know, I hope God forgives me, whatever. Failures can hold us back. But you know what? So can successes. We can think about the good things that we've done and the progress that we've made. And before long, we are resting on our laurels. And we're, well, like we talked about before, we're a little satisfied and we just start to coast through life. We just plateau and and we're no longer pressing forward because both our failures and our successes are shackling us to the past. Paul says, I am not looking back. I'm not looking back at what's behind. Now that means, it doesn't mean that he's not going to learn from his failures. And it also doesn't mean that he's not going to rejoice in his successes. What it does mean is he's not going to allow those things to define his present and his future. He's not going to allow those things to have an undue weight on what he's doing now. He is going to look ahead. He's he's going to be future focused on the goal ahead of him. He says, when I fail, I'm going to get up and try again. And when I succeed, I'm going to try to do even better. When everything seems to be holding us back and causing our heads to turn and look at the past, Paul says we ought to be determined that we are going to forge ahead, looking towards our glorious future and the prize of heaven that awaits each of us who are in Christ. 
Jesus. So humility, determination, and here's number three, confidence. Confidence. This is the final attitude that we need to possess if we're serious about pressing on towards the goal. And I don't mean confidence in yourself. I mean confidence in God. And in His ability to lead us toward the goal. Paul says, I press on to make it my own. I'm working hard. I want it to be mine. But listen to what he says, because I left this part out earlier. I press on to make it my own because, why? Christ Jesus has made me His own. I am reaching out towards Christ as He has so graciously reached out towards me. Paul says, I can keep going because I know I belong to Jesus. I know that I am safe in His wings. I am abiding in Him. I am resting in His grace. And because of that, I can keep working and I can keep striving. That is, that is His motivation. That's what compels Him forward. It's not that He's on His own working hard by Himself. It's that He knows Christ is by His side every step of the way. And that gives Him confidence to continue. Some other reasons for confidence and assurance in this, ver- in this passage. Look at verse 15. Let those of us who are mature think this way. The way we've been talking about. Think like this. But Paul also says, if you think differently than that, then God is going to reveal that to you. If you are thinking differently than what I've laid out, Paul says, God's going to correct your thinking. In other words, if you lose your focus, if you forget that that's your goal, God is going to clear your blurred vision. God's going to be working on your life. You're not in this on your own. And then verse 16, only let us hold true to what we have attained. We are making progress bit by bit. You're on the right track, so stay that way. And be glad and and rejoice in the progress that you have made thus far. So, God is not out to get me. God is not looking to strike me down if I mess up or if I veer off the path. No, God is with me along the path. And I am reaching out for the goal because Christ has reached out for me. God is is not rooting against me. He's rooting for me. He's my biggest cheerleader. He's on the sidelines cheering me on, eagerly awaiting me to receive the goal that He has for all of us. And that He wants all humans to experience. There's a song called Press On. As we wrap up, I want to read you a few of the words. When the valley is deep, when the mountain is steep, when the body is weary, when we stumble and fall, when the choices are hard, when we're battered and scarred, when we've spent our resources, when we've given our all, In Jesus' name, we press on. In Jesus' name, we press on. Dear Lord, with the prize clearly before our eyes, we find the strength to press on. We could add to that because we've talked about it's not the bad stuff that keeps us shackled to the past. Sometimes the good stuff can too. So we could add a verse to this. When the sky is clear blue, when His mercies seem new, when we want for nothing, When we're standing tall, even in those experiences, we must commit to press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus.
Do you need strength and encouragement to press on today? Is your spirituality on life support? Spiritually speaking, have you flatlined? And you need an extra boost this morning. You've taken your eyes off the goal. You've forgotten what your goal is. You've forgotten the prize that God has for you in heaven. The prize that He wants you to be striving for, aiming for in this life. You've become distracted. You need a little little extra boost today. You need some oomph. And you know that you can receive that if you come and you ask God for it and you ask your church family to be praying about it. Some of you need to do that. Some of you, you're sitting there and you know you need to do that. But you've already decided you're not going to come. You've already made that decision. You know you need to come because you need the prayers and the encouragement of God's people to to reignite your spiritual life. But you've decided it would just be too much trouble to come. It would be a little bit embarrassing. I'd have to stand up there and hug everybody. It would just be easier for me to keep my seat. What's easier is not always what's better. And so if you need encouragement to press on, I want to encourage you to come. If you need to begin your journey towards the goal this morning, then I want to encourage you to come. Here is water. What hindereth you from taking the step of faith and being immersed in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins? If you're here and you're not a baptized believer, I beg you to come and to begin your journey towards that goal for the prize that awaits you in heaven. Would you do that today? Or if you, if you need prayers and you want to go see a couple of our elders, you can do that after our worship. We invite you, we encourage you to come as we stand and sing.